We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Steve McQueen is one of the greatest directors working today. He made 12 Years a Slave. He made Widows. And now he's got this awesome five-part piece on Amazon called Small Acts about different moments in the history of people in black people in Britain fighting against their oppressors and loving each other in an amazing film called Lover's Rock where they just have a party. That's it. The whole thing is about having a party from the setting up of the house to the DJ coming to the people showing up to getting home at the end of the party. But it's Letitia Wright, it's John Boyega, it's all sorts of amazing actors telling all sorts of different stories from throughout the history of black resistance to white supremacy in England. Small Acts on Amazon is awesome. I encourage you to watch that. Listen to this deep dive into what Small Acts is all about, where it came from, McQueen's motivations behind it, his thoughts about it. And later on, we get into 12 Years a Slave and some of his earlier pictures, like Shame. This is deep, because Steve McQueen is brilliant, he's a genius, and I'm proud to have had this time to talk to him. Let's dig into it. It's Steve McQueen on Torre Show. Small Axe was really extraordinary, and I watched every bit of it, and I was really blown away by it. And I want to really dig into um, a lot of what you're trying to do here. And one of the th- one of the threads that I see flowing through all this is a sort of love letter to reggae and dancehall, and especially with Alex Weedle and Lovers Rock, but in other places, there's just so much love and affection given to reggae and dancehall. And not just that the songs appear, but you hear them in full and you see people like vibing to them and loving them and the importance in their, in their spirit, this, this music. Um, and so many, so many great songs that you introduced me to. Um, talk about the importance of reggae and dancehall within this suite of films. Well, yeah, um, it's, it's the heartbeat. It's the sort of... Um it's the thing we cling on to when we when we're low. It's the thing we sort of grab onto when we're high. It's the sort of it's the every step that we make sort of um, soundtrack. And for me, I suppose what it was was to sort of perfume the air with it, um, because it, it very much is a case of a spiritual sort of um, how can I say life in a way. Because it, it's, it's, well, I suppose what I'm trying to say is in some ways. Reggae, lovers rock, dancehall was always something to cling on to. It was always something which was in your body. 
and to sort of intertwine it with an everyday life situation was just for me was like a, was like was like drinking a glass of water. So to, yeah. to translate onto film was was was, was my sort of um, was my um, what can I say the thing I had to do. Yeah, it does perfume the air because there's a lot of heavy stuff going on, a lot of discussion of systemic racism. And just even to further bolster the point, when I realized the title of the piece comes from a Bob Marley song, yeah. it just it just fits with that whole notion. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Again, it's what people will work for. You know, five days a week, everyone was working for the weekend. I remember even back in the day when my mother was going to blues parties in the early 60s, people were, were preparing... F- you know, from the from the from the Sunday, from the from the Sunday morning, <laughs> Sunday morning after came from the blues, were preparing for the next one. So yeah, it was a part of the everyday life. Really. Um, I mean, the the I want to talk about all five of these pieces. The one that has really struck in the heart of a lot of people is "Lovers Rock," and yeah. that's the the first one that people want to talk about. Sure. And you know, it's it's like a tone poem. It's like it it, it is like a party in real time um you know these people are just having so much joy just from the beginning of you know cooking and singing at the same yeah. time and um you know just the the final note you land on i think halfway through my wife was like they don't want anything right like in a film there's like a desire that must be hmm. you know like no they don't want anything but to just have a good time and it's also like <laughs> exactly. Remember when we used to go to parties, like yeah. <laughs> back before COVID? Um, you know, it, it, it's such a beautiful, beautiful piece. Well, I think what they want to be is to is to be. I think yes. that's the main thing to be, and that was all that was happening on set. That was happening, obviously, for myself and Colin. You was writing the script, and that was happening. I remember we started with my aunt. The story was about my aunt. You know, she used to sort of. My uncle used to leave the back door open for her to go to the blues party because my grandmother didn't want her to go. You know. Yeah, and um, it was strange because it, for me it was a Cinderella story. It's a fairy tale. The whole thing is a fairy tale. But right. it was the essential ingredient of this was wanting to be. And similar thing with, with the actors because the actors were, what was amazing for me about the actors, what was incredible, was that they had to sort of stay within the sort of remits of the period, the, the traditions, the customs, at, at the same time to be free. So within those restrictions, you had to sort of... Uh, what can I say? You had to craft your way through it in order to sort of be authentic, an authentic version of yourself. Because more or less, these people were playing, you know, the the, the you know the, the aunts or the uncles or grand uncles, you know, you know, grandfathers, whatever, grandmothers. They were playing a version of themselves. So when they saw themselves, other people like them themselves on 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 set, when they saw the people who were behind it uh, were, were familiar to them as as far as how they had uh, what their parents was, it was totally emancipation there was no limits to what they could or wanted to do and how they bounced off each other um it was real um uh, it was real it's about creating that environment but at the same time allowing things to sort of go where they needed to go and it was beautiful it was i mean that would think without a camera with a camera that 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 would have happened because that's the environment I, I created and that's what i wanted I mean, I feel like i've been to that party i've heard cool. about that party and all the sort of elements of like the lovely people who are like making it great. And then the, the guy who comes in and he's got a totally different energy and we really don't want him there, but he's bringing his thing. 
And you know we can't kick them that, out. That, that mad, that, that mad relative that comes up. Oh God! You know, all of that, all of that. Yeah. And I, I, and I, I was uncomfortable with him, and yet it was like, okay, like he's bringing a new tension, like that late arriving guest that mm-hmm. like kicks it up another notch. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, but at the same time, it's mental health. What we're dealing with there with that gentleman is mental health, and at the same time, mm-hmm. people you know embrace it. Because in some ways they know, you know, they recognize it. You know, you know, everyone, everyone, you know, anyone in the black community, whatever they are, in the West, will recognize that person. And at some point, you you, you embrace it because you know, you know, he broke in a way, and understandably so. But you embrace him because you want him to be, you know, you, 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 he's a part of you. You know, you can't divorce him. And I, you know, I always think about, especially in black culture, the importance and the closeness of Saturday night and Sunday morning, and to have the peace end on she oh. sneaks into bed and just then okay get up for church and it's like yes like it's all like just this link that it was a beautiful sort of note to like boop like just end on perfectly that runs through the film in a way i mean that gentleman who used to carry the cross i mean you saw obviously there was a, a, a motif of this gentleman walking through carrying the cross that was a real guy that that guy you see that guy around um, west london labra grove not hill kensington yeah, he's always been carrying the cross. I, I remember him in the bus stop thinking, how is he going to get on the bus with that? And of course, he collapsed it, <laughs> got on the bus, carrying the cross. Yeah. I mean, you're really committed in this one, but in many of the other pieces, to really letting the music breathe. And a lot of times filmmakers will give you like a beep, like, okay, you know, and then we cut. But like, you know, you let people sing in this, you let them dance in this, you let us really hear the song, breathe, and that's really important. But I think also because it's a black, you know, these are these are films about black people within the element, within the situation that they're in. And that's what would happen. I mean, you know, it, that, it's a, like I said, it's a part of the DNA. I think, you know, I can't think of a moment in my life when there hasn't been some kind of reference to, to, to music or the other. Uh, if it's church or if it's sort of at, at a party or, or whatever, you know, there's always been sort of that kind of uh, vibration, if you want to say that, um, going on, go, going going around, even the country and Western music of my father's, my goodness, every Sunday bloody morning. Um, you know, that was that was scripture that, you know, it was, and again, it was to do with the West Indian uh, link to sort of the, you know, the American used to sort of bombard the airways, the, the West Indies with country music and people should relate to it because you know, most of them you know, were from the land. So there was a relationship with Jesus and God and the Bible and land and all that kind of stuff. So it was always to do with some sort of, um, you know, sonic vibration, whatever it was, clips. So throughout all of this, these people are saying, we belong here, not just this, the whole of small acts. We belong yeah. here. This is our country too. They don't want to integrate. They just want to be themselves at the restaurant, at work, what have you. Um, Red, white, and blue, moving on to the John Boyega piece, um, is a really powerful, like, hey, like, we are part of this country, and we demand that respect. And he tries very overtly to to integrate the police force and to change it from within, Um Attacking systemic racism in a really thoughtful way, um, but it's it's much harder than he imagines. Much harder than he imagines, and and it's interesting because this guy, you know, I had I had to get it was very difficult at first to get my head around Leroy Logan at first, 
And my breakthrough was his relationship with his father. His father, in some ways, was the radical. <laughs> his father, in some ways, mm-hmm. usually is the way around. The kid is kicking off, and the father saying, no, you have to sort of stay on there. And his father was the one who said, look, you know, why are you going into the police? Why, you know, you're, you know, you're, well, you're throwing education down the, down the drain to, to join these people. He said, Dad, I want to be part of the establishment. I'm not, well, I want to change the establishment. I think right. that, that was the thing for me, which was interesting and difficult, but it was, a, it was always about the father and the son. And I suppose what I'm trying to say is that the end of the movie, it becomes about two men and not a father and a son. It becomes about two men uh, having that conversation at the end of the movie and, and, and coming to some sort of um, understanding, not a conclusion, understanding of the environment that, that, that they're in. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm talking in code here a little bit because I'm speaking, we haven't seen the film or who have seen the film will understand what I'm talking about. But it, that journey had to be, had to be that journey. Um, and it's, 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 still, it's, still, it's still difficult in a way to sort of grasp um, um, what Leroy had to go through and what his father had to go through equally um, for them to come to that conclusion. And, um, and it, it, that one in particular, the, the, the Mangrove Nine piece as well, but that, the, the red, white, and blue really fits and speaks to what we are going through now in America. Exactly. Exactly. We are, I think in, in, the, the whole of the film ends, starts in 68, ends in 84. And 84, I think, was with Red, White, and Blue is where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I don't think there's any black person who wouldn't sort of understand what Leroy Logan and who was portraying Leroy Logan, John Baker, went through. And that, that film is, it's, Red, White, and Blue is, a, it, you know, it's, you know, it's a one that you can actually sit and think about for a long time because behind the camera and in front of the camera, there's John Baker, who's playing the oiler. Okay, both of these gentlemen were poster boys, one of Metropolitan Police and one of Disney, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Both of them, through not, 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 nothing to do with their, their, anything to do with them, were failed by both of those in, in, in institutions. They were literally poster boys. Poster, sorry, poster boys, but were literally failed by those two institutions. Um, and there you have a situation where John Beega is uh, 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 doing this speech in Hyde Park for the Black Lives Matter March um, um, in, in honor of, 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 um, of, 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 of the killing of, of George Floyd. He gives his speech to like 5,000 people in Hyde Park. Who's in the crowd? Leroy Logan. Wow. Um, so, wow. you know, it's kind of... And then what's interesting about that, the film is that when you're shooting the film... Uh, we had to come back and we, we shot the, okay, so what happened? We shot the film. And I think at some point the film had some kind of influence on John. In fact, I know it did. And what we were talking about, we were, we were, what we were discussing on set. And then he came back to complete the film after the speech. And we shot some scenes there. We shot, for example, there's a, there's a scene in, in, the, uh, in the snooker room with, with the police. And that sort of changed that scene. So he, we influenced him, he, he, he influenced us. So it was the whole thing of, 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 of Behind the camera, in front of the camera, the combination of everything. We just did this at the end. It was mm-hmm. it was it was an amazing journey um, to get that film. How, how we got to to that sort of ending, uh, or, 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 or basically, like I say, it became a sphere, you know. And I think what I'm going on a bit. Well, I, I just want to end it by saying this: there's not one black person, um, you know, in the West who would, who would not understand how one could be limited in their position that they're in, or made to feel that they should not be there or made to feel uncomfortable in the position in. Everyone will understand what Lee Willow and the character John plays in Red, White and Blue. Everyone understand that. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door 
thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. I mean, so much of this piece is about people taking action to try to change their situation. Um, And just to try to dive into the end a little bit, one might say that he does not succeed because his outward goal is not achieved. However, there is success in that internal success in that he decides to continue fighting despite what the system is bringing to him. Yeah, I think it's what what is success. I mean, you know, um, at the end of the film, his father says, you know, it's a slow turning wheel as far as change is concerned. And, and what Leroy says, you know, maybe we should torch the earth and, and start again, you know, you, know, you, know, and, you know, start again. It's just the fact that he came to that conclusion through that journey. And I think that is a, that is a, that is a noble and, and um, 
And, you know, he had to, it doesn't matter what your parents tell you. It doesn't matter what, whoever tells you, whatever. Sometimes you have to experience it yourself and he experienced it. So in some ways it is success. And he went, for, he went further on, John. I mean, to, to a lawyer, Logan, but in, in the Metropolitan Police, he was one of the people who created the uh, Black Police, Police Association and so forth. And other things happened to him, uh, I think, you know, where he, at the end of the day, was uh, shoved out by the Metropolitan Police. I mean, we could, we could have gone on and on the story, but for me, why I wanted to end the film there was at the moment of uh, 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 enlightenment. That's why I wanted to end the movie because, again, it's another story, another chapter to, to his, his unfortunate uh, story with the Metropolitan Police. One of my favorites out of all this, because I love music and recording artists so much, is Alex Weedle. Mm -hmm. And it takes a really surprising turn in terms of how you introduce the character and he's trying to adjust to prison. And, you know, you're kind of like, well, how did he end up in prison? And, you know, you're kind of assuming there must be some criminal thing. And no, it's about music. He is a recording artist and he's developing and growing as a recording artist right in front of our eyes out of nothing. And um, it's a great it's a great character study, you know. And, and, you know, each of these five pieces are totally different films in the way Lover's Rock is this sort of tone poem that looks at a lot of different people in, in one night – um, red, white, and blue is looking at one man and his relationship with his father over time and his relationship with an institution. Alex Weedle is just it's just like it's just a character study of this one really interesting person. Yeah. Um, and I think music I'll tell you a funny story, just to throw it off. You know, Dennis Dennis um Dennis Prevel, who plays the um the, the, the old man in Lover's Rock, he I think in nineteen seventy-four was the first man ever to be imprisoned for causing uh, 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 for playing a record because they said by him playing that record it caused um, uh, 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 a riot. <laughs> so by him placing a record on a turntable, he was put in prison. And in fact, Alex Winkle, to a certain extent, as you said before, there's a kind of similarity. How dangerous! I remember there was that fella Kute tune. It was always, it was, it was, I can't remember, it was a tune or it was a, it was a book that was written on fella. It was called um, Music Music is a Weapon. Mm. And I just feel that that, you know, the, I think it's, this goes back to, it goes back all the way back to um, Congo Square in New Orleans, where they only allow people, I mean, and that's why they took the drums away. They allowed people to play drums on a Sunday. You know, um, the, the Sabbath, and then they, they saw people going crazy, and then you know what they would do when they hit the drums, they, they they stopped it. So in North America, you know, they stopped it. They wouldn't allow them to sort of, uh, and unlike in what happened in Brazil. So music and what can occur through that, I don't know what can occur through that sort of um, whole embodiment of sound or vibration. I don't know. I think yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting. I so mean, I, 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 I flipped. I flipped the conversation a little bit. I wasn't wanting to be so straight. Wherever you want to go is fine. <laughs> um, I mean, the moments of creation that we get to see in Alex Weedle—just an artist sitting on his bed, taking an experience and trying to make music out of it, and then taking it to the to the to the dance hall, to the house, and performing it—and like, just I, I love those moments, and I just love. The, the journey of this character. Um, he really shouldn't be in prison, and yet here we are. 
And yet here we are. And yet here we are. I mean, he's yeah, he's trying to find his way back home, isn't he? He's trying to find his way back home, and and, and by doing so, you know, uh, you know, members of the sort of uh, metropolitan police are helping to another sort of another kind of home. You know, I mean, I mean you it, know, it, it, it's interesting. I find it very interesting. You know, when the, when you want to go, when you want to go, when you want to go down, there's everyone there to help you. There's police to arrest you, and there's prisons to keep you. When you want to go up, and there's no one there to help you. When you want to go down, there's everyone is going to help you to go down. No one's going to help you to go up. But in this, in, in all these pieces, in all these pieces of this film, uh, there are, it's almost like people are swimming upstream, right? They are saying, this yeah. is the way things are. We're going to challenge and fight against that. Well, also it's instinct. It's, it's, you know, it is instinct. And, and also it's just a case of, you know, we are who we are. You know, Tori, we can't look at us. No one's going to say we're nothing else other than who we are. So if that's the case, we're going to be who we are. There's no, there's no way of getting around it. That's it. And, you know, there's some kind of resistance. There's some kind of situation of there's nothing else we can be other than ourselves. You know, I, I, think, I think the hardest of these films to watch was education. Mm-hmm. And, and, and partly because where all the other ones, the main character is this revolutionary who's fighting against the system – the main character here is basically like a leaf that's been lost and he is floating the wrong way down the river. And he's gotten pretty far down the river the wrong way when other people, his sister, his mother, the, the women, it's mostly women who are reaching out to save him, who are saying, no, 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 he's going the wrong way. Even his dad is in left field. He's going the wrong way and we need to save him. And I think even most heartbreaking, uh, I mean, so many heartbreaking moments, but like when his sister is reading like here's what happens to people who go to this crappy school and not just them but their kids are also and i'm like oh my god you are sentencing his whole lineage to you know just hell and like you know and he's just sort of this lonely twig that's being sort of just blown off in the wrong direction yeah, that was my life, to be honest with you. I mean, what we did was. I, well, what do you mean that was your life? You were well, you were sent I, to a well, subnormal school? No, I, I was too late for that, thank God. But I, I I took my story, which happened in the early eighties, and translated and transferred it to the sort of to the seventies. What happened was that from the late sixties to the beginning of the eighties, uh, that the, the, all of that narrative happened, and afterwards they they. You know, those black mothers, those black associations closed it down. They got people to, they, fi- they fixed it, they closed it down. Their, pay- their, their pressure and their campaigning, they basically stopped that happening. So by the time someone like me, who was dyslexic, uh, was in school in, in like the mid, uh, sort of the early 80s, that didn't happen to me. But at the same time, there was a path laid, down, laid out for me of sort of manual labor. And again, you know, people, you know, again, depending what kind of school you're you're into, you're, you're at. I mean, you know, they detect it if you're dyslexic, or or artistic, or just sort of slow. Um, so it was one of those things where I was just grateful for. I, w- I went to a Saturday school, for example, and they, that was amazing. People detecting that in me and helping me and pushing me in, in, a, in a certain direction. So that was amazing. That that came through the black community coming together and making things happen because the powers that be did not care they didn't care my school specifically and the other schools they were they were invested in black failure they were invested in black failure because 
what that was, what that what that what that was about was 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 about not wanting to sort of, how can I say, manage it, not wanting to identify it, because therefore then they would they'll bring the school further down in, in in people's eyes. So they just looked away. They didn't, they didn't care. They didn't care. I mean, you know, it's it's heartbreaking watching this boy sort of just be set adrift and just sort of like, you know, you're lost, you go. And it's it it is it is equally perhaps heartwarming to see all these women snap into action and say like, no, what's happening to him is wrong. And even his mother doesn't get it until they like really like bang on her and then finally she's like okay i'm i'm on the team i see what's happening yeah. and when he finally starts to read haltingly you know it's like oh like you know, know. Just the, the, <laughs> the heart just soars just like oh my god he's not just that he's doing it but he's excited about doing it so now we're on the path yeah. but also he's he's, he's the, i think what we would know what i want to do is interesting doing is looking at possibilities, looking at the various, you know, it's all about possibilities at the end of the day. It's all about the sort of magnitude of where we could go with our minds and, and, and how we can actually translate things. And, I, and that's why I didn't want to limit him to just, to just things on, you know, on the page. It was about any and everything, you know, science and beyond. Um, I watched that one with my kids, uh, at least part of it, and they found it very uncomfortable. They were like, "Can we watch something else?" I'm like, "I'm talking to Steve McQueen tomorrow. Like, we gotta, I gotta watch. This. I gotta get through this." Um, and the and the question that kept coming up for them was Nina, the the black girl in the subnormal school. They were like, "What's wrong with her?" And I was trying to explain, I th- which I thought, because I, you know, the film never exactly says here's her issue. We see the main character cannot read, and he's far too old to be this far behind. We see this little white girl who is barking. She is not able to be with human company at all. She's not a danger, but she cannot really talk. Um, and the other main character, the child out of that, seems fine. Ex- from what we can see, she seems fine, and I. Was trying to explain it to them, like how quickly they'll throw black kids in there. Here's a white kid who can't talk; she's just barking, and the black kid is just thrown in there. What? Is, what? Is, what is that for you? That is, I mean, there was a one. I remember so many people like that in my school, very highly intelligent people, but because they were black, they're thrown into the lowest mass set, and that's where they stayed. They were very bright. Maybe they were a bit sort of, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sometimes their behavior was sort of uh, erratic or they were a bit naughty, but they could do it. They could do it. But any excuse they put them now there was this, i remember this one mom called phoebe she was amazing she was extremely intelligent but because you know maybe there was a lot of black kids in that class she would want to be with us so she was you know what i mean she would hang with us she didn't want to go to work why she go in that class because for her she was made an example of so you know it's one of those things where people could target you not necessarily because you're intelligent but because of who you are and i remember that and, and phoebe was my friend actually her mother made her stay a year um to do it year again, and she would then she was all, all the high groups, you know, one and two, you know. But but because there was a certain kind of way people looked at you, where you should be rather than where you are, you know, where you are is up there, but where you should be is down there. Yeah, mm. it was crazy. it was crazy stuff. Crazy the stuff. the 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 mangrove um, piece was really really powerful. The one starring Letitia Wright, um, it, it, another one that seems tailor made for twenty twenty, even though you know it took place long ago. Um, but oh my god, again, these people 
and in in a street context and then in a legal context, they really take control of their destiny and fight back against the institution. It's the first time it was it was the first time in history, I think, in ever it's never happened before. After the thing, where black people took on the establishment of the United Kingdom, took them on, cross-examined them, and questioned them, and held them to account. Never happened before. It was it was a landmark. Um, trial um and yeah it was it was i mean the 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 documents that the the, the speeches that that you hear in in the uh in the trial are accurate because you know we we obviously at the time they didn't in fact there was a year but the year after they started to take records but there was a guy from the from the west london gazette um or no the kensington Kensington gazette who basically was there every day and basically wrote what was happening in in the the trial and myself and alistair simmons who who was a co-writer just got onto that. It was just amazing. It was, it was just their courage, their intelligence, and their bravery. I mean, there was nowhere else to go. You know? I mean, you know, part of what you see in through all of this is your brilliance in that I can make anything great. I can make a party great. I can do a children's see, uh, school scene. I can do, you know, in Mangrove, I can do what, what many would call a riot or a very intense march at protest with police and i could do a courtroom drama and make that interesting as well well i think the courtroom drama what happened was what they did was was very intelligent they turned that in to they turned the gallery into um they turned the gallery into the congregation they turned Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the stand into the pulpit you know so they sort of changed the dynamics of that sort of uh, court of law into a court into a place of righteousness, mm. and I, that was amazing. You know that that's what happened. They 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 galvanized that space and took it over. So for me, looking at a court case or looking at I mean I didn't look at court films. I'm you know you've seen them a, you know, a thousand and ten times, but it was about how one can ch- sort of change that environment to 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 make it into that place of blackness, you know, or spirituality of 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 of, of integrity. That's what it was. That's what it was about. It, you know, you could think of, uh, you know, um, all these, uh, you know, you know, I don't know, you know, all these sort of uh, trial movies and stuff like that. But it was all about how you could make that turn that space in, in, into a black space, basically. But you also get this great moment of 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 almost science of like, how could three people look through this <laughs> tiny hole at the same time? How how did you do that? How did you do like? If that's like such a great moment of like. Common sense, logic, science, like all squeezed together. Yeah, and we had amazing actors. We had amazing actors with with amazing cameramen, with amazing designers. So to, to collaborate with them and bring that to the screen was something which was just for me magical. Um, and it was all there. And again, it's one of those things, story where there's all these stories, but also which never get the light of day. So for me, I mean, look, I'm, I'm a black British man, and I would have loved to have seen that movie 10, 20, 30 years ago. It wasn't made. It wasn't made because the British film and TV industry didn't want us. They didn't want us. We were not of interest to in them. So for me to do five films, a bit crazy. But what I wanted to do was, you know, fix the canon of the British film um, narrative as such, you know, to put does, us in there. It does... It does look old. You chose a yes. look. Uh, what, talk about why you chose that well, look. Myself and 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 Chevier, um, uh, the, the cameraman. We I, what I wanted to do was you know, look at each individual time. So, for example, Mangrove was shot on on, on thirty five millimeter. 
Um, and it was a certain kind of film stock which I wanted to do, sort of, uh, in fact, imitate a bit of Gordon Parks photography of that time, you know, late 60s. Interesting. So I was interested in, in that sort of texture, that tint. Um, and then, of course, Lovers Rock, it had to flow, but also the colors. I remember my mother, don't, every, look, every, starting from Sunday, people get patterns and start sewing on their singer machines for the new dance. They start you know, making their dresses. Guys would be going out to getting their shirts. So for me, it was all about the color and the vibrancy and wanting to bring it to life. It wasn't about the pastiche. It was about a sort of a certain vibrancy and, you know, within, within images. So that was shot digitally. Um, uh, red, white, and blue. That was shot on 60 millimeter because for me, the grain was very important. It was about things that stuck, stick to you. I wanted to glue to you. I could, look, red, white, and blue is a very, it's a very heady, it's not heady, but it's just, it's, it's difficult film. You know, Rachel, mm-hmm. his father, what happened to him? How do you become a policeman when your father's been up by the police? All kinds of, st- all kinds of crazy stuff. So for me, it needed, it needed to cling. It's, not, it's uncomfortable, but it needed to sort of, it needed to sort of, Attach itself onto the viewer. So the grain was very interesting, very important. So that was 16 millimeter and so off and so forth on the other two, which was one was 35, one was, six, was 16 again. No, digital and 16. So the look was so important, of course, because again, you know, if, if, if you see something false, you will, as, as far as the viewer is concerned, anything that sticks out, you'll, you'll, you'll lose, your imagination will sort of come out of the, of, of the frame. So it was about sort of maintaining a, Assuming integrity of the time, but also bringing it up to 2020-2021. See, I always thought you had um, an advantage over a lot of filmmakers because you have this visual artist background, and you, you know, and you bring that to your your films. Um, in this really amazing way. I mean, like, you know, we could watch all the movies with the sound off and they still are like, you know, just working on the retinas in really interesting ways. Well, that's what I do most of the time when I'm editing, to just take the sound off. Because in some ways you, well, it's interesting about looking at things without sound. Um, sometimes sound is so bloody distracting, it sort of leads you up a garden path <laughs> and to take it out and just edit without sound. Um, that's one of the, I don't know, it's just, it, it doesn't feel right. Because you know when things sometimes change, when the cut is the rhythm of something, or even the the, uh, the, 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 the dis-rhythm, or to disrupt the rhythm. So I, I edit a lot with, 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 without sound, without sound, and then I put it back on and find it. Yeah, it's a, it's like, you know what it is? It's like when you go into a, someone's house, oh, oh, you go into a room and you blindfold yourself, and you have to sort of feel your way around the room so that mm. you get accustomed to it. And then okay, okay, now you and then you understand. It's a d- different way of seeing things through touch and smell and 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 other uh, other sort of uh, senses because it's so obvious. This it's so obvious, but sometimes you have to you know in order to get to 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 to, to in order to sort of recognize something as life as real life. Sometimes you do it in a different way. It sounds odd, but that's how it is. One of my favorite sounds throughout all of this is the teeth sucking, which we get. <gasps> over and over and over. I think there's a really epic one in each film. And I know that's a huge thing in Caribbean and British black culture, not quite as big. We do it some in black American culture, but not, it's not as big a thing. And, you know, we'll, we'll like curse and like, you know, like say shit, like something like that. But like so much can be communicated in a great, long teeth oh and you like oh give us the, over and over and over give us those so it's such an insult sometimes also yeah the length of it <laughs> it's a, i mean you do a long one it's like oh my god it's, it's such an insult um interesting that yeah 
you know, the ver- the, the, to be very, uh, it's interesting you said that, to be very literal and very audible. Uh, yeah, it's because it also because because the ambiguity of it, it does fuck the other person up. Because they said kind of like, what's he saying? What what was she saying? What you know? You guys just insulted by it rather than you, you, you know you effing whatever it is or you whatever. Yeah, interesting. That's another conversation completely. That's no, I, lo- I love I love that piece. I mean, you know, so often when we talk about racism on film, we're not talking about systemic racism. You know, you're talking about basically interpersonal racism. And in all of this, you are confronting systemic racism yeah. in different, all the different forms that we encounter. Well, it's, it about, in. Uh, it's about limiting you as a human being. That's what, it's, what all these five things are about, about people trying to limit you as a fully formed human being and how the black and Western community in the UK said no. So by hook or by crook, we are we are not gonna stand for this. And you know, the resistance to that was 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 just sort of you know incredible. And every, and everyone now is, you know, today sort of um, living off that legacy. You know, it's incredible. incredible. Was there an was there another piece to this that started and didn't finish? Was there a sixth or a seventh no, piece? No, was it always no. these five? It was always these five, yeah. It was, it was, I mean, again, it was one of those things where we had to find, I mean, uh, Leroy Logan, it was um, uh, uh, Helen um, uh, Carter, she found, she found that story for me. She was a researcher. She was amazing. Um, and Alistair was, fre- was, no, Alistair didn't know, but it was just basically, it was Helen who found that story because I didn't know Leroy. And I, she just presented the things as this could be interesting to you. So it was one of those things, things I had. I had Mangrove, I had Lover's Rock. I had obviously educa- education came last. I had that because I was about myself. And um, Leroy Logan was in was in a writers room that we had. And, uh, originally had a writers room assembled, and that was dismantled. But he his 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 individual story was interesting. Um, he didn't want to co. He, he didn't want to write it. Basically, he didn't want to write it himself. So I co-wrote it with Alistair, and that was it. So it was one of those things where things came. Two things came to us through the process of um, sort of developing it within within the writers room. Was one of them much harder to write and to to film for you as an artist much more challenging than the others Good question. was there was there was there a more difficult birth for one of them than the others the difficult uh, i think education was difficult to film in a way it was this difficult why i think it may be mangrove because there were so many that hit certain things, um, but then it, then it went smoothly. There's, I mean, I had such a joyous occasion. I mean, look, we shot Mangrove in 30 days. We shot Lover's Rock in 10 days. We shot um, um, Education in 11 days. We shot um, Red, White, and Blue in, in, in 15 days. Alex Weedle again, we shot in, in, in 15 days. So it was really, it's just, you know, I mean, it was beautiful. It was just joy. It wasn't difficult at all because... I wasn't it difficult because I felt free. Literally, I mean, it's the freest I've ever felt on a film set. Um, and uh, we laughed so much. Um, the writing was, you know, we were, we, we were at it because it was a long, long time, of course, getting it, getting it right. But it was just the research. You no, know what, what was the most exciting thing was the research. What does eating healthy mean to you? 
Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamin, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Finding things through the research. Oh, my God, this happened. Talking to people firsthand. I mean, you know, other people died, you know, through us talking to them. I mean, in that, in that journey, you know, we started in 2000, I started in 2000 and, uh, 2011, 2010. Start, I started, we started, I started. So it was a long, long Wait. journey. A long, long journey. long, long journey. officer shot and killed a black woman in her own home. Incident after incident, year after year. Say Their Name, a podcast that focuses on the assault and killing of unarmed black people by police and in Stand Your Ground states. I'm the mother, father, sister, uncle, grandmother. We were best friends. We are humanizing these headlines, figuring out who these victims really were before the hashtags. Say their name. You can listen on the ACAST app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why was this more liberating than than the previous films that you've made? Um, I was just liberating more for previous ones I made. Well, sometimes you've got to deal with people you don't really want to deal with, you know? And then when you're dealing with people you want to deal with, it's easy, you know? No disrespect, but it's kind of like that's how it is. Um, you know, I felt I was in, but also sometimes dealing with people you don't want to deal with is very, very good for a film. You shouldn't necessarily have the whole, oh, I, I you know, freedom is great, but sometimes to have a little resistance is not a bad, bad thing. Because at the end of the day, I always win the arguments. I'm just, I'm dealing with that. Da, da, da. But that's very good. Sometimes just having a situation where you can do anything you want is not necessarily good. So, but this was the freest I've ever been. Um, and it was good. It was good. It was. It was just. I don't know. It was just joyous. It was also. It was the the collaboration with the art department, makeup. Uh, you know, the the people were singing coming to work, and that's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Wow. I can't say. I can't tell you how. You know. And also, I've got to say, maybe because it was the matter of black people on set. Because what we did, what I did, because I said, okay, in each in each department, it's got to have at least. If there's no black people in the department, we have at least two apprentices. 
And if they have bad people in the department, I don't care. There's going to be at least two, two, two apprentices. So in every department, there's at least two uh, 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 black apprentices, even if they were heads of department or not back in the heads of department. So you had a situation where what was happening in front of this camera could be easily reflected what was happening behind the camera. And that has never been the hardly ever been the case with, with either black people, of course, but not in, in permanent positions and that amount. So maybe that was it, mm. or maybe maybe that maybe that. Was it. But I'm, we, we made that happen because there's no system in in Britain that has that sort of um, thing set up, and that's what I'm working on now as well. Um, but I do love the notion of like some creative tension is good. It is that's good to have some people saying, "I disagree. I think we should turn left," and you're like, "No, I'm the director. I think we should turn right." I'm like, "Well, what about this?" Like some of that is valuable, right? Extremely valuable because if anything, it sharpens your argument, and also sometimes you're wrong. And you know, the, the best thing you can do is admit when you're wrong because then you you you, you learn something new. That's it. But you know, again, it's just sometimes you know that could be healthy. Sometimes that could be unhealthy, depending on on, on the people who are, who are surrounding you, of course. Um. Oops. What's that? No, 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 no. no, no. It's 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 it's. I I, I want to. I've seen all your films and I want to talk a little bit about a couple of other pieces. Cause the, you know, I, I was blown away by everything that you've done. 12 years a slave is the thing that, you know, everybody has seen and loved and struggled with. It's very hard to watch, mm-hmm. even though it's brilliant and beautiful and powerful. Um, you know, it's a signature film in your in your in your canon at this point. What what do you think about it now, looking back from the vantage of having years to look back on it? I haven't looked at it for a while. Um, I think of it. Yeah, very confrontational, um, dif- yeah. difficult. Yes, um, all of those things. Um, uh, what do I think about it? You know, when we made 12 Years a Slave, you know, the landscape wasn't the landscape as it is now. That movie made a lot of ground for black cinema. You know, that movie, you know, what, you know, no one, listen, people didn't want to, people pulled out of that movie after a while. They, they, they you know, and, and they sold bits of it or whatever they were, what it was, what it, what it was to when we finished the movie. The money that movie made was they never thought that would make that amount of money. The only thing that Hollywood understands is money. So when we made that film for Peanuts and made, you know, over $200 million with DVD sales, I mean, the DVDs, we sold out our DVD. Um, was it the, the, was it the, the um, estimate of DVD sales when they, when, when we, when they used to sell DVDs uh, in the one week? Our year estimate was sold out in one week. We sold it. We sold it. In, we did it in a week. The year estimate. Um, that's when they said people were too scared to go to the cinema to see the movie. I think America made fifty-seven million dollars. Elsewhere in, in, around the world, we made one hundred and forty-seven or something, one hundred fifty-seven million. Uh, you know, in in, in in normal cinemas outside the United States. So mainly, mainly in England. Did it outside of the US? Was it best in England? Yeah, England, uh, France, um, and elsewhere around the world. You know, it made one hundred and I think I think it's roughly 150 million dollars. I think a little bit more all around the world in cinemas. Um, I think there's 57 million dollars in, in in the states and DVD sales went 
that was crazy. I mean, like I said, uh, it's the estimate. We saw that he did his estimate in a week. So I mean, yeah. So basically, I'm, I mean, I'm, hmm? no. I mean, I, I I will never forget watching it and where I was. So it's seared on me, and yet. If if you said let's watch it again, I don't think I could. No, and and fine, it's, no, no. It, it's not Disney, <laughs> you know, that's for sure. Um, it's but, not Django. No, no it's, well, it's definitely not Django. Definitely not Django. That's for sure. Um, um, so it's one of those where, <laughs> what did that face mean? Hmm? No, what did you made a face? No, it's not Django. It's not. It's not a fantasy. It's not a fantasy. That was all. It's not a, it's not a fantasy. Um, you know, it's like I said, it's not Disney. Um, um, and I, look, all I can say is what the film did as far as, as far as what it is and what it did for other films. I mean, you know, things like Moonlight and things like um, uh, Selma wouldn't got made if it wasn't for 12 years because I know the producers, they were the same views for 12 years. The people trying to make those movies before. It opened the door to so many possibilities, basically because of money. Because, I mean, I remember someone telling me, your impossible movie, and saying to me, uh, films with black leads do not sell abroad. Well, of course, we, demo- I mean, the, the money they made in Japan, I mean, we demolished that notion. So a lot of you know, what was happening, what's happening now uh, within black cinema, you know, I would say started a lot with, with 12 years ago, just because simple fact, it made, I mean, the subject, that kind of subject, and make that amount of money, then people go, okay, well, let's throw somebody at other thing because it's going to make us a lot of money. That's all. Just cap. You know, it's interesting you say that because I have thought that since around the time of 12 Years a Slave and a little before, we have been in this black cinematic golden age, uh, both in television and in movies, in front of the camera and behind the camera. And so many great films authentic powerful sure. films have been made since then yeah we didn't and have, we didn't have Oscars and you're and you're we didn't have Oscars and you're Oscars. yeah and you're and you're really locating the not in an egotistical way but the success of your film against many events hollywood conventional wisdom opened the doors for so many other people it was just money that's the fact that i mean it's not even about Whatever one might think of the film, you know, love it, loathe it, um, can't watch it, you know, praise it, whatever. The fact that that film on that particular subject made that money opened a lot of doors. So it's not just about the artistic, for me at least, the, the integrity of what I was trying to do and what it was, but the fact that it, it worked in a commercial sense um, for me was, was obviously very, very important. Um, I don't, you know, it, I wouldn't say one is more important than the other, but obviously that second half of making that amount of money opened the doors for a lot of other possibilities. I'm very proud of that. I loved Shame, uh, an amazing film starring Michael Fassbender, and it's a really, there's a quietness to it, and yet this power to it, and he's kind of, I mean, he's definitely a, fucked up person he's definitely kind of an evil person and yet you you i'm I'm willing to go anywhere with this character Mm. shame god shame um yeah it's heavy (laughs) it's heavy again i what i was interested in is a certain kind of i was interested in just exploring a certain kind of um need a want and a want and a need which 
needed someone else to fulfill it. Of course, one could fulfill that on their own if, you know, as far as sort of um, self-pleasure is concerned, but um, in, in mainly this character wanted to sort of fulfill his need he's want with someone else. Um, and again, you could think of um, the Billy Wilder movie, um, uh, oh my goodness gracious, I'm getting, I'm getting mad. Um, uh, you know, the, the one about alcoholic, that, that alcoholic, I'm getting crazy. Why can't I remember titles right Anyway, um, addiction, basically movies about addiction. I was interested in the whole idea of sexual addiction, uh, and, and that was it, really. And, and I worked with Michael on, on, the, on hunger, and uh, I thought, okay, well, you'd be a good person to explore, explore that with. Yeah. There you go. Um, and also, it's a kind it, of, we, some of this takes you over. You know, it's a one to Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it just takes you over. You know, you want to, you know, you want to, you want it right now. When, when we first started, when I mentioned the film, you said, oh, shame. What was, what was that about? Well, at least, at least every two weeks someone mentioned that movie to me. At least every two weeks. At least, I mean, you know, it used to be every bloody week. But now, it used to, you know, I mean, if it comes on TV again somewhere or whatever, I mean, someone, it, it, it's, 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 it's the one that gets mentioned the most, more than 12 years, more than any, anything I've ever done. Shame. I don't know. Maybe it was a dog whistle. Maybe it was a bit of a dog whistle going off or whatever. Something that no one thought they, that, that what they were, not, something, something that people thought other people couldn't see and maybe possibly was, was, was illuminated. But I don't know. But um, yeah, that, that movie is the one that. Well, me. So, I so think, often. I think, I think going forward, small acts will overtake shame so. as the film <laughs> that gets mentioned most to you. Um, <laughs> Widows was really powerful is this really fantastic heist movie starring these great women um y- you always want to be you always like to be heavy right there's sort of a heaviness to all your pieces this one's a little more light than shame in 12 years a slave uh but there's still this heaviness to it well what i wanted to do um, and i don't you know what i wanted to do was bring I wanted to basically bring politics into a heist picture. I wanted to bring the surroundings. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was interesting was with Chicago. The first time I went to Chicago was in 2000. My first museum show was in 2008. And my, my then girlfriend, was, my wife, was a, is a journalist. And she went with me. At the same time, she went to the Democratic Convention. Uh, I think mm-hmm. with Bill Clinton, I think his second term, uh, the convention there. So I always say that, you know, what brought me to Chicago in the beginning of, of, of anything, you know, sort of 13, 14, 13 years ago was politics and art. So they've always had a fascination with me and Chicago has always been you know, good, good to me. I had an exhibition at the Museum of Institution, Art Institute of Chicago, um, MOCA and um, Renaissance Society. So I've always been going back there. And the politics of, of Chicago, the, the, the race divide in Chicago, just really sort of, you know, was sort of in me. And I wanted to plant this story, which, which was actually a TV series that happened in, in the 70s in the, U- in the UK. I wanted to plant it uh, in Chicago in, in, in the present day. And look at the politics through, through this heist movie with, with these women. Um, and that's what we wanted to do. Yeah. It was, it's, it, I mean, look, Ch- the world is in Chicago. Anything you want to know about the world, just go to Chicago. It's, it's that's true. It's that's true. Crazy. So, look, I... I, I, I I attempted to put this, I wanted to have a sort of a, 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 sort of a political movie about a heist within the mainstream. That, that, that was the idea of, of actually sort of somehow seeping into the, into the sort of 
that kind of commercial narrative seep in this is, is politics. That's what I want to do. Do you know what you want to do next? God. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, do, I, I'm, 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 I'm fishing right now. So I'm, 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 uh, I'm sort of exploring right, right now. I'm just sort of taking a I'm doing a documentary here. Um, called uh, Occupy City, um, uh, Amsterdam, 1940-1945. I'm doing shooting that right now. Um, I'm shooting something um, on the um, the uh, New Cross fire in London, a uh, very famous, unfortunate uh, uh, um, incident which happened in 1981, which was almost like the the start of the Brixton rise. What what, what actually was propelled the Brixton rise in 81. Um, and something else I'm thinking about. And I'm fishing as far as narrative movies are concerned. I'm, I'm fishing right now. It is, that's a great metaphor and something that I think I think about. I, I use that word for myself. That there's a there's moments when, as an artist, you're just fishing. I'm just looking. I'm just seeing what is out there and what catches my fire. And I might be look at a movie, go to a gallery, read a book, and like what it, like. I don't know what I might find yeah. in this, but it's I'm there. just fishing. It's there. It's there. And I think with you, obviously, it, it's there. It's there. It's, it's there. You have it. You know it. But it needs It needs the sort of, um, what does it need? It needs the sort of, um, it needs, what does it need? What's we're looking for? It's there. I know it's there. But it just needs that sort of, uh, that moment of inspiration, that moment, that little thing. It could be, it could be, you know, in the shower and all of a sudden you're not thinking, of, and then I've got it. It just needs to jolt you. You're going to be jolted in position. That's all. Somehow. It's there. Mm, it's there. Mm, mm. That makes sense. Um, are you still, uh, are you still making visual uh, uh, art apart yes. from the films? What are you, what are you doing? Uh, I, I just made something, but it, again, it's, that's that, that's in the shit. That's in the in, in the in the closet for now. I made something on on Grenfield on the Grenfield fire, which um, for, you know the, the unfortunate events in two thousand eighteen in in London with the the tower block, um, unfortunately uh, caught on fire. So I've done something on that. I'm very excited about that, and a few other things I'm working on. Just just sort of uh, more sculptural, uh, three dimensional things. Hmm. Busy, basically. Um, again, it's one of those things where the idea tells you what it wants to be. The idea tells you if it wants to be an artwork, if it wants it to be, if it wants to be a feature film, if it wants it to be whatever. The idea dictates to me what it wants to be, or you know what, how, it, how it wants to be sort of put into sort of uh, in, into the world as such. And it's just a case of trying to trying to do good by the idea. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Sometimes you fail, so, sometimes you succeed. So, so, so first it's the idea. I want to say something about X and then you figure oh. out the medium. I can't tell, I can't dictate what I want to tell. I cannot, I, I, I want to do, no, that again, it's like, you know, I never put the stencil onto the, the, the thing. I'm, I'm not going to impose my stuff onto something. Never. It comes, it's sort of, it's sort of, and it's, you know, it's about things that have been in, in, in your body for a long time. But it needs to come out. Things that you're even scared of that come out to the front, into your, into into the fore. Most of the time, it's things you're scared of. Most of the time, it's things which are seen bigger than you, and you have to challenge it in some ways. You have to sort of conquer it somehow. And even conquer it, you don't really conquer it. You just sort of 
I, I can't remember one film, one situation I've been in, which I've, in, which I've been in and I've never said, why the hell am I doing this? Why am I here? How do I get out of this? How do I not cause myself any more embarrassment? What's the best way of getting out of this? I, there's not one project I've, I've done where I thought, and the reason, what's interesting about that is because you've actually, you know, it's not about what's easy necessarily. It's about what's, you, you're putting yourself in a situation where you could fail. Obviously, you know, uh, that's not, obviously, and sometimes you 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 you're, you're aware and you you're, you're aware of it. You think, how the hell did I get this way? How do I get out of it? That, that's all, and you just gonna keep on walking. You you know, slap back into it. But every single, I remember in the middle of twelve years of slave when we were looking at the rushes. I was like, what the hell? How do I get out of this? I mean, you must have felt immense pressure making 12 Years a Slave. I'm making a serious slavery picture. If I don't make this right, if the tone isn't right, if I don't show, you know, enough violence and enough character and enough this, black people will fillet me. No, no, no. I'm I'm, I'm supremely confident. No, it was only that time because I saw that. I thought, oh, God, how am I going to do this? I'm going to do that. But no, I I know. And I, and I don't mean in an arrogant way, not, not at all. Not, I'm really confident in that way. No, it just, if you, I never felt that. I, I don't think you, no, no. Stage fright, maybe when we opened the picture, yeah. But when I was making it, no, no, never. But when we, we maybe showed it for the first, when did we show that for the first time? I think we showed it for the first time in Chilliwack. But you didn't feel pressure making it. No. You didn't, because I'm, I'm telling this amazing and important story. No, I thought, I loved, you know, I, you know what it was? It was like, I want the burden, put the burden on me. I want it. I want the burden. Give it to me. I want it. I want the burden. Give it to me. You know, I need it. Um, why is that? It's weird. But why, why I want the pressure. I want it. Give it to me. I want to have it out every way. Give it to me. I want it. Because we need evidence. So, hey, we need evidence. Without evidence, it never happened for me. Without evidence... You know, they can wipe us out of history, similar, similar to sort of a small acts. You know, without, you know, the, you know, it's, you know we, don't, we don't exist. And the power of art, the power of film is incredible. I mean, what's happened because of small acts and the letters I've got, or like, well, what happened with 12 years? Incredible. We got that book in every single uh, public school in the United States, 12 Years a Slave, that book. Look at how people talk about slavery now. You know, and again, I think, no, it's not a case, you know, obviously, you know, the first person I ever showed Torvay as a slave to, this is a bit of a scoop, was Toni Morrison. It's the first person I showed it to. I, I, I got her, um, uh, I, I cabled her. I, you know, obviously, you know, I had to sort of bow at her feet and sort of, you know, I, I wanted to see this. It's a possible. And she, could, she couldn't go to cinema, but she said, please give it to her. And she, yeah, yeah, that was amazing. That's the first person I, I, I showed it to. So, what did, and what did she say? She said she 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 she, she said was she, she said two things. She said she thought um, she thought that uh, um, uh, the Michael Fassbender character was a was, was a bit sort of was a bit uh, a bit of a stereotype, a little bit of a stereotype, but she loved it. Yeah, that was it. I mean, my God, when you show your slavery movie to the Toni Morrison, and she's like, "I like it." You know, I'm I'm cool with like that's like. But she didn't. Right? Know, I mean, that's like. But she did. I didn't. I didn't ask her to, to to promote it. She, but I'm not promoting it. She, I no, of she, course. Well, why is this guy showing me this movie? I said, no, no, no. It just it wasn't the case of me wanting you to to promote it. It's just a case that I wanted to, to do the 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 the, 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 the honourable thing. You know, obviously. Yeah. But 
but just to know that she's like, yes, I, I, I like where you've, where you've gone. I like what you've done. I respect what you've done as an artist. That's the most amazing validation for a project like that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I wasn't, yeah, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, literally I wasn't. I mean, she would have hated it, but at least I showed it to her first. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah. I mean, yeah, she's the yeah, she said Michael was a bit, she thought she thought that it was a bit of a stereotype, but yeah, good, that was it. Yeah, and she's wonderful, yeah. I never spoke to her but, about it, but that was it, yeah. Um, but just as an artist, just jumping back a second, when you talk about wanting to tackle big mountains, right? You know, it's an idea that scares you. I mean, like that's when you can really get into some great art when you are scared moving into the project. And, you know, it's going to challenge you. It's going to challenge the audience. And you've clearly wanted to tackle big mountains every time. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know uh, why. Goodness gracious, now you're getting into it. Now we're getting into it. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, I think, you know, why? Um, goodness gracious. Um, because it, it it's just one of those things where I just feel that it will be invisible. You know, it, it, things will, it's like it's, it never happened. It, it, sometimes I have, to, I have to see things. Sometimes I have to see things. Sometimes at the bit, it's just like the, the lynching of, uh, you know, of, um, you know, you know, in the, the, the long lynching, twelve years a slave with the gentleman, you know, with the when Solomon's on the tree and people are walking behind, you know, not touch, can't touch him because you know if you touch him, there's an issue and people getting what the sort of how the two, the two sides of 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 the torture, the mental, and the physical are happening in the same frame and they, you know, you know, not necessarily pleasantly to look at, but you know, I knew for me it was important to show that to show to see what it was important for me to show that in order to sort of sort of you know to translate what happened to so many of people like ourselves. You know, how many men or and women were 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 were, were sort of treated in that way, and the mental and the mental torture and the physical torture. I don't know, maybe you know, oh, why do you need to show that and. You know why this for me it was important to see because I didn't give a damn. I was like, okay, this is it. I was like, this is it. I mean, this is it. This look, look at this, look at this. And people have represented this in different ways. You know, it's you know, again, the people have sort of uh, you know represented images of of slavery for sort of Carol Walker or others in different ways. Mm-hmm. I think for people think people think film maybe for some people is too close. You know, you could do it as an, as an illustration, but if you sort of represent real life, then, then apparently it can be seen as an issue or it can be traumatizing or it can be yeah, difficult. But at the same time, that's what, that's what I'm about. There's no point well, in doing it. If you're doing I mean, something make, or, you're, or, or you're not, and I wanted to do something. Yeah. I, I mean, in, ma- in, a, a, in, consu- in consuming a film, you feel like you are really in that moment. In a good film, it becomes hard to distinguish I'm sitting in a theater or I'm sitting on a couch. I'm not actually in this moment. So when you take me into the plantation and I'm stuck on a plantation for a good hour, hour and a mm. half, it's 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 much more painful. It could transport me much more completely 
than even a book, which I hate to say as an author, but more than a book, definitely more than a painting. I mean, more than any other art form, it will transport me to where the mind is like, oh, I'm in, right? I mean, like, that's why we get scared watching horror movies. Like, that's why we weep in a romantic comedy because we really identify, like, I'm in that moment. And you took us onto the plantation and it was very painful to be there, but that's what you wanted. And on the flip side is the euphoria of the dance, of the blues, of the party. You know, that's, that's the flip side of that. So, hey, welcome to life. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, so just to, just to bring it back to Small Axe, everything that you've made has been really heavy and sort of like the, the, the dark side of the, of the piano. And then Lover's Rock, and to a certain extent, Alex Weedle, um, is sort of the lightest and the most joyful stuff that you've ever made. I mean, I think Mangrove continues that and education yeah. continues that theme, but with, you know, with Lover's Rock and Alex and Al- part of Alex Weedle, it's a, it's, it's finally a, a more joyful Steve McQueen that we get. Yes, I suppose so. Um, um <laughs> Yeah, I suppose so. It's, it's, it's you know, I'm look. It's life. I can't. I didn't make this. I'm just living it. So I'm. If I was an artist, I have to do what I see. So it's not a case of oh, he does the dark side of this. Hey, this is who I am. You know, I you know, and, and I didn't. You know, I look around and I see this and this that. And I want to explore this. 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 So it's 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 a spectrum. That's what it is. It's not a case of me wanting to sort of do one thing or the other. And don't forget, and you know. I'm not American, so often the American, when I go to movies, it's about entertainment. I understand that, you know, I, I get it and, and respect it. And I, they go with a popcorn, why am I watching this for? But, you know, film has other ways of presenting itself other than, uh, I mean, and, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, what I do is not, is, is entertainment, you know, in a way. I mean, you, you know, whatever it is, I'm not going to say anything else other than that. But the fact of the matter is that it, it, it can be used in other ways as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think, you know, and be successful in other ways as well, uh, which, 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 is, which, which has been proven um, commercially, if, you, if that's a case of where you want to read the barometer as far as success is concerned uh, in that way, as far as popcorn or whatever, in the commercial entertainment. So it's a case of being an artist. We, we have to use the tool we got to do what we, what, what, what we have to. I mean, look at Charles Burnett, you know, again, these amazing pictures. Mm. You know, they're not, you know, mm. you know, a killer sheep, you know, my best friend's wedding, uh, you know, Glass Shield, they're, 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 you know, and he's one of the greatest black American filmmakers ever. Um, you know, it is what it is. Who, who are some of your favorite directors? Uh, I don't really have some. That. Some of the people, some of the, some oh. of the people who you feel like have sort of influenced you and maybe taught you. Influenced. Well, are the best, I think, things, you know, and I haven't actually... Funny enough, I think of these guys called Jean Vigo, a uh, French filmmaker in the 30s, but he's got anime two movies, Anarchist, all that. But these two movies are kind of joyful. <laughs> um, but I don't really have that. I, what, what, I saw, you know, what influenced me the most is, 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 is I think, influence. I, when I look in the camera, I'm not, I'm, obviously I've looked at a lot of filmmakers, but when I look in the lens, I'm not thinking about sort of Scorsese. I'm not thinking about Bergman. I'm thinking about Charles Burnett. I'm not thinking about any of these guys. I'm thinking about how the best way I, I could shoot this. And of course, all that information, all the history of, of cinema 
is in my is 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 in is in is, in, is in my head. Um, but I enjoy a lot of filmmakers. Influence, I would say, life, and I, and I don't mean, I don't mean to sort of just avoid that question, but life in a, in a way. There's no you know, there's no one filmmaker or filmmakers. No, but uh, John Vigo for sure. John Vigo and I always and and and, and Warhol. That was that was pretty. And when Warhol. I, well, that when I was growing up, when I was a young kid at nineteen, you know, nineteen years old, you know, I saw these two filmmakers, John Vigo and Warhol, and I thought it blew my mind. Blew my mind. I don't see the Warhol connection with you. Well, I think what it is is looking. That's what it is for me. I think Warhol just just to look, holding, looking, holding, looking. I mean, of course, you know, you know, not in. You know, within narrative film, it's not it's not like you the his piece portraits or whatever. Or, I mean, what 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 I first saw of Warhol was Couch, and maybe more in the art in what I do as art or and and for both. In fact, I would say absolutely. I mean, you know, you might not see it, but uh, it it did something. It triggered something. I don't know if it's recognizable or not. It's not an homage to him if I do something like that, but it, it, it triggers something to be. It was about time. That's what it was about. It was about time. It was about time and duration. And that was so beautiful. Uh, yeah, that was amazing. Because he, it was a, there was a projector who came to art school and he came with his projector and he, 16 millimeter projector, and he showed um, this, uh, you know, there was lots of version of couch. And he showed this version of couch and he cranked the projector, I think it's at 18 frames per second. So it's just below the heartbeat. The, you know, it goes into 24, 24 frames seconds, what we normally see things at. We cranked the, the, the projector how it should be looked for you, 18, per, 18 per frames per second. And it was just this pulsing on screen. It was absolutely amazing. It was hypnotizing. And then, and then I saw John Vigo, I saw Atalant, uh, which was uh, uh, one of his first, you know, the first thing I saw for was Jean, uh, 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 Zero for Conduct. Jean, uh, Zero for Conduct. It was about a boarding school. It was a short film, only 41 minutes, amazing picture. And then I saw uh, uh, Atalant. Zero de Conduit was the first one I saw, uh, Zero for Conduct. And it just blew my mind. Blew my mind. Blew my mind. Mm, mm. Um, I ask everybody who comes on the show, uh, what is your superpower? What is the thing that you do better than other people that has led to the success that you've had? And I think that you are one of the very best filmmakers working today. So as a filmmaker, what are you, what, what is your superpower? Um, hold on. <laughs> Trust. I think that's my main, that's the main superpower. If there's a superpower, it's trust. Uh, you know, you know, we're going to die anyway. I mean, that's just how it is. Um, so trust, you know, sometimes I jump without knowing how am I, how am I going to land? And I've got to trust that, you know, and sometimes you must jump not knowing how you're going to land because, you know, if you don't, if you do, then you won't do it. Sometimes you got to push yourself. Sometimes you make yourself, there's an uncomfortableness about it. There's a sort of, this go beyond a certain kind of, um, even against people's ideas of what things are, you know? Because everybody wants to be on the right side. Everyone wants to be together. Everyone wants to be in this group. Everyone wants to be, 
you know, shoulder to shoulder. It's not about that. It's about who you are, where you need to go. Uh, and as a black person, for me, it's, 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 it's going and jumping without knowing how I'm going to land. That's how it is, you know. Guess what? You might fall in your flipping face, but who cares? You will have died anyway, you know. Once I, <laughs> you know, literally, I, I learned that at a, at a time when a relative of mine was very ill. And I remember the liberation. I remember. That's my story. It was this person with my, with, with my family was very ill. And he, you know, he, he's, he's doing all right now. He's doing fine. But the liberation, oh my God. It was like all these things fell off of me. All these things fell off me. And I was free. I, it was, it was, it was a mind. It was, it was like, it was crazy. Once I realized that, bring it on. It was amazing. Once I realized that, it was, and it's stupid, of course, we're going to die. But when you're in a situation and you realize the liberation was, sorry, things fell off of me. Weights fell off of me. Inhibitions fell off of me. It fell off of me. And I thought, well, let's do this. Thank you so much to Steve McQueen for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. And thanks to our super producers, Britt, Marcus Harkis, Monk, Sam Montes, Jason Reynolds, Michelle, Kathy F., Keena Murphy, Theotokis, and Earl Dorsey. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you'd never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show and on Patreon at patreon.com slash Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editor is Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington. Our booker is Claudia Jean. And we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back on Friday and on Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.